Since the day I waltzed out of the womb, I've been adventurous, never staying in one place too long. So I've got this theory. It's kind of like my theory about relationships. It's all about seasons. You have seasons with different people and different places. I've been in New Mexico, California, and now I'm in Georgia. And I'm open to exploring many places. And so I sometimes wonder, what makes people stay where they are? Why do you stay? From WBZ Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Jennifer Shea Love Long, here with Taylor Coward and Cheryl Jackson. And today, we're getting into the places we stay and what keeps us there. Later, we hear from Sade Brunges. She's a traveler, an expat, an omni-channel beauty strategist, and a mom. And she's got a pretty amazing TikTok page called My Black Ass Life in Singapore. So y'all know this conversation is going to be raw and honest. Plus, if you're thinking about staying somewhere new, Sade's got tips on how to make the big move. All that and more coming up. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. All right, so ladies, I'm curious to know, what is the most magical place that you've ever stayed? West Virginia. For real? Yep. Tell me about it. Um, My choir did a tour in the Appalachian Mountains, Mm. and there were, like, no lights. The people that worked up there lived there, and it was the most isolated. You're just in a sea of trees, Mm. and we got around with trams. They, like, took us up the mountains. Mm. Um, And then there was this one song I remember. We turned off all the lights because we were in a room that was, like, surrounded by windows, So we turned off the lights and she was like, just connect to where you are. Like she was like, you are all city folk, you know, you don't get to experience this often. And so it was just so serene and beautiful and like ancient. It just felt very magical being there. That sounds magical. What about you, Cheryl? How about the most magical place you've ever been? I think the most magical place I've ever been has been uh, Cape Town, Mm. South Africa. One, it's beautiful, just a beautiful vista. But it was magical when I really took in the history. Mm. You know, they often talked about the cradle of civilizations in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And so when I first saw Cape Town, it just, the Garden of Eden, that's what popped into my head. Mm. You know, the garden, it was just beautiful. The um, the surroundings, the the, the, the flowers, the Birds that talked back at you, they they literally sound like they had the human language down. I mean, it was just, you know, things I had never seen before. And I was like, oh, I want to live here. Yeah. Um, you should. <laughs> I want to live here. Like, uh, I What was made thinking, you want to live there? Like, what was it about it? I was taken away, you know, yeah. like a new boyfriend, a new love. You just, like, just caught up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I was caught up. It was just beautiful to see, and 
it felt like a, a coming home. It was my first time I stepped on the continent of Africa. Oh, wow. So you know that was special. Yeah. And then just it's beautiful. Think Napa Valley, you know, it's mm. like just but more lush, lush and beautiful. Mm. And then just the history, the impact of the the legacy of um Nelson Mandela and the the pain and the hardships of um apartheid. I wanted to to be there. I wanted to be connected. I wanted to feel it. And um and so I was like, oh maybe I can live here, you know, six months of the year and and then live in the US the other six months of the year. Mm. You've traveled a lot. You've been around. I, you know, Lisa Stansfield. Been around <laughs> the world and I, I, I hey. Um, that part yeah. with uh, Cape Town, I was you know caught up, but then as I got accustomed to it all, I, I kind of rethought that six months out of the year. But what makes it stay worthy for you, a new place? Yeah. So, well, for me, I think there's no place I want to stay yet. I don't know the answer to that. Or like, I mean, what do you look for in in a place? On you know, even if it's just temporary, what are some of the things? that you need in a place? I think what makes a place noteworthy to stay for me is nature, natural beauty, the ability to kind of, as you describe South Africa and sort of the lush greenery and the beauty of being outside. I really love that. Actually, I went to this place in Page, Arizona called the Lower and Upper Antelope Canyon. Mm-hmm. And there are these canyons that are sort of miles from the main location where you meet to actually get to the canyon. And so you hop into this car and you drive for about 10, 15 minutes to actually get to the opening of the canyon. And it is the most extraordinary thing. Like, it's probably the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. You walk through it. It was formed based on, basically, it's like a water formation. And you go inside and you can, it's like a rainbow of color, but it's it's this canyon. And it reminds me that there are just so many beautiful places on this earth that are untouched. Um, So I'd say natural beauty. I'd say the energy of a place, the culture, the sort of ability for the place to embrace diversity and truly embrace diversity, not just sort of espouse it, but really you see people living and thriving and connecting with each other and accepting their individual cultures. I really love that. You were in L.A. for how long? For six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. Is, was that a place you were just itching to go to? Yeah. But you that, didn't want to stay. No. Well, you know, that's a great question. So for that season in my life, it was perfect. You know, I was in my 20s. I was working at MTV. Like, that's the perfect place to be is in L.A. And it was just this fun, free, independent. I was traveling a lot. And... I really enjoyed just the experience of exploring there. Mm-hmm. But when I sort of entered into the season of having a family, it wasn't the ideal place mm-hmm. for me to be, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's when I transitioned to Georgia. So you talked a little bit about how much you loved South Africa. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you stay? As much as I loved it mm-hmm. and the experience and the beauty and the history and, you know, my gosh, being in a place where, you know, um, you're not the only, you know, black person that that was comforting and something new. But it takes more than having the same skin tone to feel a connection. It just takes more than that skin color. 
uh, to feel a sense of connection. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't feel that connection. As a matter of fact, um, I felt lonely. You bring up a good point because you have a different lived experience. And I think a lot of people go there searching for themselves and come back feeling lost because there's a disconnect. You're not, you're not really, you're, you, you were born in America. And if you were born in America, I don't know. I, do you know you what know, I mean? I think I do know what you mean. That So South Africa, you know, people got lives going on. Yeah. And, you know, you dropping in. From to eat, pray, love. Right. <laughs> like, uh, girl, I got to take my kids to school. Okay, I got to go to work. Yeah. They don't really have time to be fooling with you like that, mm-hmm. to acclimate you yeah. and re- connect you to people and all of that. Um, now, as I understand, like Ghana, where they have right. pr- programs set up mm-hmm. to uh, repatriate um, black folks, mm-hmm. it's a different experience. Yeah, I think that's why it's hard for me to imagine Staying, because you could go, in, for example, on the continent of Africa, so many places you might discover that actually is that connection that you're looking for. You know, where Ghana is a different experience or maybe Namibia or some other, you know, some other country. You know, my dad is from Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, hey, Memphis in the house, and in town. so now that he's gone, I've been trying to think of ways to reconnect with him. So I was like, I should go to Memphis. Girl, come on down. The homeland. You know what I mean? Yeah. But really, he's from Covington, which is small. I'm like, girl, what you going to do when you get there? (laughs) And I wonder if, you know, some people are seeking connection, like a deep familial connection. And and some people do. I've heard people end up disappointed when they when they go seeking those things. And so the exploring that you do, Mm -hmm. Jennifer, is the way to find the place that you'll have that connection. Mm-hmm. It may not be the place that you imagine it to be. Yeah. Like mine really was West Virginia. Yeah. And I don't know anyone from there. Yeah. And so there's beauty in just like, you know those people that throw a dart at a map? Mm-hmm. And then I did they, that. Did that work? Did you like it? Where'd you go? I, well, so I closed my eyes after college, pointed at a map, and it landed on Kentucky. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Let me slide to the right. <laughs> I'm going to go on down here to Georgia. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but, you know, there's some places you walk into cities and you can feel the yes. spirit of yeah. the place. Yes. Like New Orleans. You can. New Orleans. And, then, and as beautiful as Charleston is. Mm-hmm. And I was with my mother. And I said, you know, there's such a. We were like an uneasiness. Yes. I taste it was slavery oh here. Yes. <laughs> of oppression. Yes. I feel slavery yes. in the air. I'm with yes. you on that. It has a, yes. It's like a city has a soul. It has you a know? soul. And, and you can soul. feel it. Yeah. You can feel and it. But then, you write about Charleston. Yes. That's the deal I felt about Charleston. <laughs> and and I was charmingly there. racist. <laughs> I was there. Uh, uh, the person I was dating at the time was, you know, um, so, dean of a college. And so, you know, he was plugged into all the right groups, the black groups, mm-hmm. the Kiwana Island mm-hmm. folks, and like, I could not. Y'all taste it. that oppression. Y'all taste that oppression. <laughs> you and, see that? <laughs> yes, it's real. It's so. Like, when you talk about the soul, right? And and okay, so that's an example of a soul that just it doesn't feel good. What what's a place where it does where you do feel connected? Like like for me, I was shocked to feel connected in Newport, Rhode Island. Like, it, it kind of made me feel like I was at home. Is that where the jazz fest is? Yeah. yeah. And actually, I ended, I was there. <laughs> I didn't even know it. But I was there the first day of the jazz festival. Oh. And it was just one of those places that 
actually went and flew into Boston, drove to Providence, and then drove to Newport and was like, oh, I'll just hang out here. This is my like routinely unroutine thing I do. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, you know, I didn't necessarily see myself there, mm-hmm. right? Meaning people who looked like me. But just the energy of the place, it was just very, like, laid back. People were really kind. So you said the phrase routinely unroutine. What, mm-hmm. is, what does that mean? So I was reading this book by this author. Her name's Brianna Weist, right? And she talks about how to think differently. And one of her essays is about doing things that are routinely unroutine. So your routine is, like my routine is, once a month I travel somewhere. And then the unroutine is where I go. So it's kind of like creating a habit, but like the unroutine is what you what you do that switches it up for you, you know, so it doesn't feel like you're always kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. Well, you said you feel connected in West Virginia or during that trip. I I don't think I found it yet. I think I'm still looking. But that was a place where I discovered that a place that I never would have imagined Mm -hmm. can be it a place you could fall in love with, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about <laughs> souls. What do you guys call home? Is, is Atlanta, and I know that's not your original home, Jennifer, but is do you found that, is that home for you now? Where is home? You know, home is still New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still where my, my soul feels rejuvenated. Like, I feel happy and at peace. So mm. what about how often, you? How often do you get back? Uh, I try to go twice a year. Once, like in your the mom, summer. your parents still yeah, there. Yeah, my parents are still That's there. That's awesome. Uh, but I got a question. Yeah, what's if up? your parents weren't there, would you go? Would it, would it still feel like home? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mind blown. Well, yes, I think I would still go back, but I but it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel the same for sure if my parents weren't there. Right. I don't know. I don't know, Cheryl, because you know that place. It, fe- it feeds me. It does. It really does. I love like turquoise. I'm telling you, like. <laughs> It's the one. <laughs> it's the one place right now on this planet that I literally feel rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Going there and and leave, like mm-hmm. I need to go there to be rejuvenated. Right, I get that. Yeah, that's me when I get home from the airport and I see the skyline, Aww. the Chicago skyline. I'm like, ugh, I'm back. <laughs> like whatever, wherever I just was. It's a fresh set. You know what I mean? Yes. What What about you? What's home? Memphis. Okay. And the entire while I was in Memphis, I just felt like there was an internal GPS to Chicago mm-hmm. inside of me. Mm-hmm. Like I was meant, like the honing device was like ping, 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 ping. Yeah. You, you go to Chicago. I think you, you do feel that. You know, just to say, flashback to another episode. Okay. Uh, when I was talking about <laughs> NDEs, Okay. <laughs> Your prior lives could have been in these other places. Well, this is true. Okay. This is true. And maybe that's why you're you're connected to it in that way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's why you keep searching, you know, like you're yeah. you can't find this place that you want to stay cuz that's not it yet. So, Taylor, you've been here in Chicago all your life see. except for I'm sorry? Yes. Yes. You said see. <laughs> see. See. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were t- in other languages. Okay, then. Um, but no, you've been here all your life, except for a few years at college, away at college. Um, so my question is, uh, why do you stay in certain places? You've been anchored here for a while. Well, that's a loaded question, Cheryl. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you said Cheryl, like Cheryl. my brother. Cheryl is my name. Um, you know, so many people want to leave Chicago now. 
And we have had a mass exodus pretty recently. But when we talk about those anchors, like I have the anchor of family. I have the anchor of opportunity. This is just, I feel like this is a place I can stay. But there are problems that put in my head times where I want to leave. Mm. Like every time I sit on a piece of glass mm. from when my car got broken into, mm. and oh. I'm like, dang, you know, like, right. oh. But the South Side is my home. Mm-hmm. Like, the South Side is its own city. Like when we were ta- when you yes. were saying, what city are you from? I was like, I am from South Side, comma, Chicago. <laughs> you know what I mean? South Side, Illinois. I don't know oh, Illinois. Okay. I don't know her. Y'all don't know Chicago, downtown Chicago. People who are on mm-hmm. the South Side, when I first moved back here, mm-hmm. they never go downtown. I couldn't understand why. Well, th- that too is a loaded question. But now I know. Yeah. Now I know. Because of dress codes well, that why? are like, tell me well, why. I'll tell you. <clears throat> Dress codes at these River North bars that are like no blue jeans, no baseball caps, no saggy pants, no sunglasses inside, which is coded language for going out clothes that black people wear. And a big issue that I have as an educator, as a young person, is that in Chicago, young black people don't have anywhere to go. There there ain't no bowling alleys anymore. Mm-hmm. Dave and Buster's is closed. Mm-hmm. We don't have any like youth mm. hangout clubs. Like my mom talks about going to the warehouse, going to juice bars, Mm -hmm. like Mm. after school and local stores. We don't have that anymore. And so young people are all over the place because there's nowhere to anchor them. And then another thing is just straight up discrimination. Yes. Like getting followed around in stores when you go to Macy's or we have that low level uh, racism. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. not the in your face that you may get in the South. It's it's very That's true. It's the institutionalized right. low, you know, low hanging mm-hmm. racism that mm-hmm. you you may not even notice at first. Like I was looking for a dress at Macy's and I asked the the man working there, I was like, Where are the cocktail dresses? And he's like, Oh, okay. Well he's like, I'll walk you over to the lower end dresses and you just have a look around there. <laughs> That's I said, not what oh, you asked. I said, Well, you're adding things that I didn't ask you for. Right. And I'm like, what was that? Was it my age? Was it that I'm black? Was it all of it combined? And so downtown Chicago is a very vicious space for young black people. I would say black people in general, but particularly young black Black people. Black people, very unwelcoming. And so that's, I think, why we gravitate toward where we know we're going to be okay, Mm -hmm. which is the south side or the west side for some people. That this, this is my home, and and I, I'm not going to be pushed out. You know, I'm not going to be pushed out by crime. I want to work to get to the root of our crime because I want to stay here. I want to invest in my city. I'm, I'm sticking around, and All I right want now. other people to stick around. And let's fix the problems that are bothering us. All right, now activist like Taylor, <laughs> fix it, Taylor. Fix it. That's what's up. Up next, we hear from Shade Brunges, omni-channel strategist, mom in motion, and expat with the thriving TikTok channel, My Black Ass Life in Singapore. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based. So you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. 
Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to my black ass life in Singapore as a mama of two. Welcome to my black ass life in Singapore as a mama of two. So you guys, we got invited to Singapore Zoo's Zoopalee. This is Ro wearing shoes for the first time. He hates it. So you guys, it is braid day. So I was going out to this special occasion dinner. You guys, I'm back to work. Hey, Sade, how are you? I'm great, Jennifer, how are you? Fantastic. Well, I, I'm so excited to talk to you because um, you are a travel content creator and podcaster. You're originally from Phoenix and you've got two beautiful children living in Singapore. And so I just want to talk about your journey and your path to Singapore. Um, how long have you been living abroad? I have been living in Asia for 11 and a half years. So I've been here for quite some time. Um, I When I first moved to Asia, it was actually to Japan. So I lived in Tokyo for about a year and a half. And then the rest of the time has just been in Singapore. And what brought you there? Like, how did you go from Phoenix to Singapore? My boyfriend, who is now my husband, mm-hmm. um, literally our first date, he was like, I love Japan. I love Asia. I want to live there at some point. Like, this is what I, you know, that's where I want to be. And I didn't really pay too much attention to it because I was just kind of like, he's good looking. I don't actually care what he's talking about. <laughs> and, so, and so then like a year and a half into us dating, he was like, yeah, so I have an interview in Tokyo. And I was like, oh, you were like serious about that. And so then, yeah, yeah so then he actually um, got a, got the job, went to Japan. We did long distance for about 18 months, which was pretty rough. Mm. Um, and then I moved over to Asia and then we've just, what was supposed to be like three, four years has ended up being a decade plus. You know, I think a little bit about your upbringing, right? Obviously you were raised in, in Phoenix mm. and- I wouldn't say there are many many blacks in in Phoenix at There's all. <laughs> and so what what about that? How has that sort of shaped your ability to transition to living abroad? Have you have you even thought about that? Like what what's sort of your perspective on that? I Arizona and this might be I'm sure some some people might think I'm like dead wrong. I didn't have like that black connection vibe with really anybody. Building that community in Phoenix was just always challenging but I do I did notice at one point in Singapore especially with the black women who I've become very close with we all kind of were like we had no community like this Mm. in Singapore Mm -hmm. in the U.S. it's just they were like we have maybe one or two other friends and that's it this community here was like maybe 30 40 people deep so and everybody everybody got along with everybody and it was very much like a family vibe all the time. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so what do you think is different about that community? Like if you could just describe the energy of that. You know, a lot of the black people who are here 
they're quite successful. They've been moved here for their job. So they've come to a level in their career where the company said, you're doing well here, go to Asia and run the whole show. That's kind of the type of black person that you're meeting. Mm -hmm. And so then when you are around other black people like that, you do tend to be like, oh, you're doing well. I'm doing well. We're both black. Let's be friends. Let's build community. Let's have our kids hang out. And let's like, let's just like, you know, like, let's just keep it together. Let's just all be together. And it's just right. like, it's that vibe. And it's so, it's, it's powerful. It's so powerful. It's powerful. It's amazing. What were some of the things that you did to create community? One thing that you will know if you are in Singapore and I see you, I mm-hmm. will always smile at you if you are black. Mm. It doesn't matter. And, and like, and the thing, and it doesn't, and some people, most black people are like, and it's like a big smile and it's like right. a wave. It's, and my daughter asks, she'll be like, mommy, do you know that? I'm like, I do not, honey. But I said, right. hi, because that's what we do. So anyways, I saw this black woman twice and then she literally came up and she was like, hi. And I was like, hi. And then. We started chatting and she was going around to everybody, every mm-hmm. black woman that she saw and just kind of being like, hi. And she literally created this entire group of like black women and black families. It was, it was such a, a big like chunk of my life and a chunk of my history here in Singapore. Yes. But I was able to have that. And then I also had like my other friends, you know, who are mainly Asian um, mm-hmm. that I hang out with. So I really had like two two families. And sometimes I would bring both of them together and it was always like a really good time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was how I was able to kind of create a bit of community for myself. What's that also like raising children? I mean, I think, you know, obviously um, you you have one lens, but they were, they were actually born in Singapore, is yeah. that right? Yeah, okay. both my kids. One thing about the Singapore medical system is that they don't, mess around they want everybody leaving the hospital everybody leaves safe it's like very they're very risk adverse Mm -hmm. um and it's just in my opinion top tier treatment um i never i've always felt very taken care of i know my sister when i would tell her about my my birthing story she was pretty nervous because you know you see things in the u.s that Mm -hmm. do scare you about you know black maternal mortality rates and it's, it's, it's terrifying. So mm-hmm. I've, I've always just felt really taken care of and really lucky um, yeah. to be able to have both of my kids here. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So what makes you stay in Singapore? What is it about Singapore that you're just like, I, I can't leave? Now that I have kids, um, America's scary. <laughs> Mm. I'm not going to. That's deep. Tell um, me, why do you say that? It's when I look at the school shootings, um, I have a son now. I mean, during the summer of 2020, I was I was hot. I was pissed Mm. when I saw what was happening in the U.S. And it was really very frustrating um, to see that how like not how not even about how bad things had gotten just like seeing everything really so much more in your face Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think when I see those the school especially the school shootings that are happening quite in my opinion quite frequently yeah um yeah this is where I, I would want my kids to to be if or just abroad in general because I feel like the gun the gun thing is a problem Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. very much so what about racism that's 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 the thing everywhere. I think mm-hmm. it's not 
as like, I've had people say racist things to me. Um, I've had like, I had a cab driver one in Singapore one time be like, oh, you're such a beautiful negras. And I was just like, mm-hmm. excuse me? And then he was just like, well, yes, the women are negras. And then the men are Negroes. No. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what? And I was like, no, it's, it's, I was like, it's just black. Black is fine. And he was just like, oh, I thought that it was not okay to say black. And I, and I was like, no. So a lot of the times it ends oh. up being like from a place of pure ignorance. And sure. really not under, like really having no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, to be very, very honest with you, the most rate, like probably some of the more racist comments that I've ever experienced while living here have come from white American women. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Go figure. Go figure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think that the racism here, it, it exists. Mm -hmm. It is not something that will get me fired or get me physically hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, it it definitely exists. Racism definitely exists. It's, it's not, it's not to the same level as the U.S. So how about, is there anything that you miss about the United States? Um, my family. Mm. Like, I miss my family so much. But, you know, I realized, I, I think in my first few years, I missed a lot of, like, a few things that I now just, it's not, it's not it anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think I started to miss the U.S., less and less in 2016 Mm. when the elections happened and I had one of my what is he was I think he's Danish Mm. one of my my Danish colleagues was like oh I feel so sorry for your country and I was just like (laughs) (laughs) and I I just remember like watching the U.S. like in that whole period and just being like oh my gosh what's going on but yeah there's not so much that I miss about it outside of my family but like things wise I miss Miracle Whip (laughs) <laughs> and I miss grape jelly. Those two things, Miracle Whip and grape jelly, I miss those uh, things dearly. I got they, you. They are not here. They are not on the island. And Amazon Amazon tries to play you by saying, yes, you can get Miracle Whip and we will ship it to you for 200 US dollars. And I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't need the Miracle Whip that bad. Is there anything um, about the United States, specifically Black American culture, that you'd like for your your kids to experience? Yes. But I think it's hard for me to say that because my kids are are mixed, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have these conversations all the time with my husband. And I feel like we have these, being like interracially married, we have very honest, open conversations about race that most people probably don't have if they're not interracially married. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like every night, you know, my daughter takes a bath. I'm like, we got to put lotion on her. Don't don't let her leave the house without wearing lotion. Mm-hmm. My husband's like, she doesn't need lotion. I'm like, she's black. And then he'll be like, <laughs> well, she's also, and I'm like, okay, right. okay, okay, okay. Fave. But she, she does put lotion on my baby. Like, don't right. ever <laughs> get <Ashy>. those ankles. <laughs> get <Right>. those ankles. <laughs> so, like, I think that it's like black culture for her. I could, I feel like I could try to shove it down her throat as much as I, I you know, I want and give her all the things and 
the music and the food and the vibes and whatever. But at the end of the day, she could look at me and be like, that's not how I feel. Mm -hmm. I feel this way or this is how I identify. And I have to be open and okay with that. And as a, as a a black woman, it sometimes is very hard to accept that Mm -hmm. um, because She's my baby. Like, I'm, I'm right. Like, right. We're the same. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I have to kind of accept that as much as I can give her all of the tools, she's going to be her own person. And she is, you know, quarter white and quarter Japanese. Mm-hmm. And that's, she has that, that journey, a very different journey from mine. What, what advice would you give to someone who is considering leaving where they currently stay? I think it's probably the one thing my mom told me when I was leaving, be open to everything and attached to nothing Mm. and really going somewhere and just embracing everything about it and being okay with being uncomfortable. Girl, that's my quote. (laughs) Being comfortable, being uncomfortable. There it is. That probably would be scary to live in a country you're not familiar with, like with the cultural difference of they didn't even know that we still don't use Negress in these parts. Um, But the scenario that she's in is one that I have played out in my head of one day, 15 years from now, would I want to live in Europe where my boyfriend is a dual citizen? You know, mm-hmm. like would I want to start a family there for education reasons, for healthcare reasons, and just kind of playing with that idea um, is scary. And it's not something that I just wanted to share that it is something I've thought about before. But I did also hear that she's like, I may not be able to explain black culture to my daughter mm-hmm. and she may not get it because she's not immersed in it. She's like, I could tell her all the jams and I could give her the food, but you still don't get that black American experience because you're not there. You know, she talked about how she has formed community with other black mm-hmm. women there and she has compartment like compartments of friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And she has been very fearless in, you know, coming up with ways to create a life and create a space. Her TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, she's created a uh, following, you know, mm-hmm. and and been able to sort of demonstrate black culture and the black experience through her eyes in Singapore. You know, what I found interesting uh, about that conversation is um, she has created um, community connected with black people. And then I found what she uh, was really interesting that the she only has to deal with overt racism from other white U.S. women. I was like, dang. So Karen's over there too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Karen's in Singapore. She sounded, and she sounded so like, uh, you know, like here too. Yeah, here too. Yeah. And tried to escape it. But I also, just thinking of her TikTok, mm-hmm. she looks like she's having a blast. She Good does. for her. Yeah. And like, and that and and so figures like that on social media i think that that's exciting to see cuz you can play around with the idea of i'm a i am from you know south the city of the south side of chicago mm-hmm. as you know 
we're over our own our own city. Um, <laughs> and so, but I'm like, wow, one day in the future, I could potentially have a home in Europe where, like, I raise my kids and, you know, we come back to Chicago for holidays. And just, like, black people going international is so exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people building lives outside of the country and coming back to the country and the miracle whip thing was hilarious because I hear a lot of expats the things that they miss are like like my boyfriend's dad is like oh uh, when you come bring a lot of Swiffers your grandma loves Swiffers you know the sweeping thing (laughs) but they don't they didn't used to have those there right and so um, when she said miracle whip I'm like that would be me like (laughs) I would be like oh man I don't have I don't have heralds, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't have heralds. But 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 I just want to bring in her TikTok side of like mm-hmm. she is like I am glad to see her raising the flag. Uh so while, you know, some things that when she was describing the her black experience, you know, may not fit sit super well with me. Um, but I am so here for her raising the flag, doing her thing, and ability as a black woman to do her thing her way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just by her being there, uh, it gives other black people possibilities. It opens up their world, mm-hmm. opens up our world yes. of where we... Uh, I think we all do that when we travel, when we see other black girls. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure you see me. And you're gonna and, and we're gonna connect right. because we are both outside of where we're from, and we're gonna make this connection. I, I do love that about Black women. And that's a wrap for our Why Do You Stay episode. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. Don't miss out on the latest and greatest from your When Magic Happens family. Subscribe to our newsletter. The perfect companion to this podcast is Chalk Full of Magic. Join our email community at wbez.org slash newsletter. Special thanks to our guest, Sade Brunges, for joining us today. You can find her on TikTok at Shah underscore Nikita. You can find me, Jennifer Shaylove Long, on Instagram at Being Love. And you can find me, Taylor Coward, on Instagram at Taylor Coward Online. And you can find me, Cheryl Jackson, on socials at Cheryl Jackson. That's Cheryl with an E. And we want to hear from you, our magical listeners. Our email address is magic at wbez.org. Send us an email or a voice memo. What do you want to hear on the show? What questions do you want us to get to the bottom of? We want to hear from you. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Elizabeth Cambridge is our associate producer. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Editing by Justin Bull. Engineering by Dave Miska and Deshaun Smith. See y'all next week. Where are we going next? You mean travel? In, in the world. In the world. España. Mm. Barcelona. <laughs> That's where I want to go. go? Okay, clearly, that's where you want to go.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.